TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 361, and I am Libby, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Uh, this is Aaron, actor, TV host, cartoonist, TV enthusiast, and comic book junkie. Wow. This is Greg, uh, TV enthusiast from St. Louis. Hi, this is Yusan, and I'm a costume designer and a TV enthusiast. All these TV enthusiasts, nice. Guess that's why we're here. <laughs> All right. In the news, we have that Jodie Foster apparently did an episode of Black Mirror, and her episode is about parental control. And they've already oh. dropped a trailer for it, so anybody who wants to see Jodie Foster uh, doing television, that's your chance. Uh, Mystery oh. Science Theater has been renewed on Netflix. Uh, the big deal is that this, what is her name? The red haired chick, but I actually, I heard other people were watching it, but I wasn't watching it. I didn't even watch season one, but apparently we're getting a season two. So yay. Oh, uh, is it Felicia day? It is Felicia day. Thank you. Uh, so that's the big deal. Uh, why we care that that's gotten renewed. Also, The Good Place has been renewed for season three. All right. I have no idea what they're going to do for season three, but I'm psyched for it. So thumbs up for that for me. Uh, Amazon's anthology, uh, Peter K. Dick's Electric Dreams, uh, has has a premiere date set for January 12th. So I'm not sure. It's I guess it's kind of like a... uh, Twilight Zone anthology, but we'll see. Hopefully it'll be good, but um, we will be reviewing that here, I guess. Yeah. All right. Is any, I guess there's no more news, so let's move on with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about The Walking Dead. And this episode, it was a good-ish episode, I want to say. I mean... <laughs> Did this episode really make you feel for Negan? Did it make you think that, oh my God, he's a good guy and just misunderstood? What do you think, Greg? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like this um, this thing that they've been kind of hinting at all along in that, you know, apparently the the folks at the sanctuary were kind of unorganized and everything. And then Negan got there and he kind of put the place back into order and he basically kept everybody alive, even though he was doing it with tyranny, you know, and exploiting, you know, other, you know, groups. um, He kept everybody alive. And so he's very much like Rick in that regard. Yeah, Um, is he? Well, that Rick has had to do what he's. Has he raped women? He's had to keep keep his group alive. And so, you know, kind of like. Does Rick take advantage of people that he keeps alive? He doesn't put a price on it. 
Negan very much is like, I will keep you alive if you are slave labor for me or if I can sleep with your wives. That's a pretty big difference. Yeah, but Rick crossed the line with the whole, like, attacking the outpost. but But that's not putting a price on his own people. Like what he did, you can disagree with him attacking the outpost and killing people in their sleep. Yes, absolutely. But he's never taken advantage of his own people, and that's well, he, what and that's what Negan does and calls himself a savior. Well, he hasn't taken advantage. But you remember his attitude toward the Alexandrians when he first got there, and that he was just looked down on all of them. That's true. He didn't, like, he didn't feel like that they could fight. And he wasn't going to put any effort into keeping, keeping them alive. those people alive until that. they showed his value to him. Right, and and that's absolutely true, but he didn't consider them his people. Negan considers all those people his people that he invokes in slave labor and that he sleeps with their wives. And those are hey, the people that he considers his. That's what he does to his own people. And I I don't agree with any analogy saying that they're similar because they're not. Um, oh, no, I think you're a little like... I no, think you but like I, I mean, Neg- Negan is is an evil person. He is a sadist. He, he basically, he's a sociopath. He doesn't care about those people at all. Any of them could die at any moment and he would never shed a tear. Rick cares about his people. That's the difference. And whether or not Rick is willing to kill other people to keep keep his people alive is a different question. Yes, he absolutely is, but he he is not a monster. Everybody well, keep the show keeps trying to say that he is, but I don't necessarily agree because one he feels the guilt of of his actions, and Negan doesn't. Um, but let's actually get into the episode, which was Negan making his confession to Father Gabriel and them sitting in that box and uh, Gabriel pushing Negan to make a confession of his sins, uh, which the confession he made was lame. Um, did you think his confession was a good confession? Uh, still me? Yeah. You're the only oh, okay. one that watched it. Oh, I'm the only one to watch. Okay. Um, well, um, no, I mean, you know, Negan obviously doesn't think that he's doing anything wrong. So, um, because, you know, he is just, you know, trying to survive and trying to keep his people survive. So not really. Point, he's he, trying to convive, he, survive. He's using everyone else to keep himself alive. Well, yeah. And that's why he, you know, kind of just explain that you know all of his wives you know they did that voluntarily because you know they made the choice whether or not they wanted to survive and but that's not entirely true because we know how he ended up with uh shelly as his wife he basically threatened her husband and said you can either be my wife or i will kill your husband that's not necessarily like oh i want to live the good life so i'll sleep with negan well, no, no. Or she made the decision that, you know, in order to keep her husband alive, that she was going to make that decision. Um, otherwise, you know, he, you know. Negan it, but you make it seem it. like that's not coercion. That's the definition no. of coercion. No, no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just relating um, Negan's point of view. 
Oh, but you're making it seem like it's a sane point of view. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying that if you put a gun to somebody's head and said, you have sex with me or this person dies, that's still rape. You can say you gave them a choice, but that's still rape. Well, we were, we were talking about his, his confession. And so okay. um, it was, it was yeah, it, it wasn't uh, what Father Gabriel was definitely looking for. Um, and... Um, I questioned Father Gabriel, like trying to steal a gun and like tried to, you know, get get one up on Negan. Um, Why do you question that? He should have shot Negan as soon as he stepped in that trailer. Yeah, but he wasn't going to be, you know, he, he wasn't going to win. He wasn't going to win that one. Well, yeah, Negan so. had a bat and he had a machine gun. He should have won. I'm just saying, but go ahead. So we'll see what happens. Um I guess, you know, things looked like they were about to devolve in the sanctuary um, with all the folks trapped inside, with all the walkers outside. Um, Negan seems to have snapped people, you know, back into order, I take it. But it'll be interesting to see. Uh, um, well, actually, no, we, we see that Gabriel, Father Gabriel, is ill. Well, do that's we the question. He got, is he bit? We, he got bit. Uh, if he's bit, he's dead. So... I I don't know. He claims that he's that he wants to see the doctor because the whole point of the mission was get the doctor back. So maybe he's faking it, or it could be also that Negan said that sometimes when you gut up and you put all the Walker guts on, you get sick. But we've never seen anyone get sick before, so this would conveniently be the first time we've ever seen it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because they, they did that in season one. They did that. They've done it in several seasons. So, um, I don't know what the answer is. I really hope he's not bitten because that would be kind of a lame death for his character after his evolution. And the answer to the question, in case you hadn't guessed, no, I feel no sympathy for Negan. I want him to die a horrible death. Um,. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 a clean death but a horrible one that is that is my wish don't don't hold back no, I'm, I'm, really... I'm not I, I really really despise deacon and i really find it annoying when they try to make me feel something for him and then his story is that he's still a terrible person like his confession was like uh my wife was dying of cancer and i slept around on her while she was dying but then I named my bat after her, and I felt a little bad about it. Like, that was his confession? It was a terrible confession. Well, I don't know. They made us feel something for Merle before he died. That's so true, never, and, and that did, but that worked. I, I I agree. I did feel something for Merle before he died, but I don't, it's not working for Negan because everything they've told me about him, he's still a terrible person. They haven't made him sympathetic to me at all. And I think that what they're trying to do to make him sympathetic is annoying. Uh, and then one little thing before we move on, which is the fight between Rick and Daryl. Do you think that that fight made sense or was that just for story? Or not even story, like for optics or ratings or whatever. Oh, um, I don't know. It's um, It seems like, you know, Daryl 
you know, we know Daryl was actually held hostage by them. So he just wants all of them to die. So he has the point of view. I mean, because we, we're, we're seeing the struggle. We saw the struggle between um, Jesus and um, Morgan. Morgan. Um, and how there's a difference of opinion of whether or not they should just get rid of all the saviors once and for all so that they can live in peace or not. And I think we're seeing that struggle um, because, you know, you know, Rick, you know, Rick seems to like he's trying to step it back, you know, saying things like, I give you my word that you're going to be OK. And then Daryl goes and shoots the guy in the head. Right. You know? um, and so um, I, I think Rick is now realizing that he may have just unleashed like a killing machine and he doesn't want people to, uh, you know, step over the edge or, you know, not be able to come back from it. Well, and also his point, which was valid is that he's trying to get the workers inside to rebel against Negan. And if they start killing the workers, then instead of just fighting the saviors, they're going to have to fight four times as many people. So that's really what his concern is. And, um, Daryl doesn't care. He's just like, let's just kill them all. Uh, and Rick is looking at the numbers. He's looking at it from a bigger point of view, not necessarily morality. I mean, some of it is because he's like, there's families in there and children and we don't want to kill them. But some of it is also just strategic. But anyway, uh, this episode was okay. It wasn't my favorite because, you know, it featured that guy that I'm done talking about. All right. <laughs> so let's move on. So thumbs up or thumbs sideways for you? That's sideways. I mean, it was a 90% Negan episode, so that's not going to score high for me. Uh, I did like Father Gabriel, though. I thought he was great, and his interactions with him were pretty good. But, yeah, too much Negan. All right. Uh, next up, let's talk about The Gifted. And this one, really the only storyline that I care about in this particular episode was dealing with Reed and his dad and the reveal about his grandparents and that his father genetically altered him trying to get rid of the mutant gene only to find out that his kids are both mutants and exactly the thing he was trying to avoid. So I thought that was fantastic. So, uh, I will say this, I, I have always liked the series and, um, but it's always been middle of the pack for me. It's not outstanding. It is entertaining. Um, so I thought this backstory history, I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's a retcon necessarily, but, um, I loved it. I definitely think that it kicked it up a notch. We kind of had to wait seven episodes to finally kind of get for me like a reason for me to kind of be super interested in, right. in the story uh and um i love how they tied it into the marvel universe and then i'm anticipating kind of the big question of are the the new set of twins or this new set of siblings uh are they going to end up manifesting somehow evilly you know Spoiler because of the, alert, the preview showed them using huge amounts of power now whether yes, they're I, evil i don't yeah. know yeah, that's my point. So, I mean, obviously we're going to see them, you know, doing their bonded sibling, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so for me, I now I have even more added interest and there's a tension kind of growing as to, you know, are they going to turn out to, you know, end up using their powers for evil or good? Or maybe they'll do the whole like evil for a little while and then come back to good. I mean, who knows? But um, for me, it was definitely the next step up and I'm definitely going to have even more interest watching it. 
All right, Aaron. Yeah, I totally love this episode. My favorite episode so far um, of the series. And I think because from the beginning, when I heard the name Strucker, um, from the comic books, the, there was the actual Fenris characters that um, Reed's father mentioned are actual, actually in the X-Men comic books. And they were villains, although they're present day. But I always wondered the name Strucker. I was like, is there a tie-in? And when I heard the tie-in, I applauded. Um, the comic book fan of me just jumped for joy because I was so happy to hear that. And I was happy that they're playing with that that um, that theme because Fenris was actually Von Strucker's, but evidently they dropped the Von um, when Reed's family, you know, when Reed's father, um, I guess, named them um, right. or changed. Or when he just, came to the U.S., probably. U.S. And I thought that that was great. So I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to now see a really cool arc with the kids, even though the son and daughter are not twins, but because their powers, it, we can see now that there is a connection to their abilities um, since their, what would that be? Their great grandparents, I guess right, that was, right. um, had the same exact abilities individually. And now we're seeing it collectively. So I thought that that was so cool um, because I always loved the villain, the Fenris villains in the comic books. So I'm glad to see them, um, really tying it into the Marvel universe. I have a question though. Do you just, when you said that, okay, they were twins. Are we saying that the grandfather is a child of the two twins? Um, I have to double check that. I believe he said that those were his parents. If right. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So the grandfather actually had, I, I, they, they weren't clear on what his exact abilities were. Well, they uh, showed it. He basically could make a big fireball. A fireball. Yeah. Let me jump in here for a second. Cause I also was like, Whoa, are we watching incest here? Yeah. Um, cause so I just, it I just occurred to me, but I think so because I all his family pictures just had the siblings with him in the middle. Well, I actually jumped online and I and I kind of, you know, looked into several sources and um, it, I think the consensus consensus wasn't clear. There was no clear consensus. Um, it, it does seem like that. But then there were a few places that kind of made the argument that he, you know, just because we didn't see the other parent, he could th theoretically be the child of just one of them. And then they're their lovers yeah but the, but i really the way that they behave towards each other i got more of a cersei and jamie feel <laughs> and i read that also i read that like although it may not be explicit they definitely gave off that vibe in the comics also yeah, right you know what i mean so but, you know but i i don't think it's 100 percent clear i mean maybe and also this is the series they might dive you know they might diverge from the the comic book yeah, stuff but so maybe i'm I'm, I'm not judging off the comics i'm judging off what i saw on television so i still got the incest vibe just off the tv show but yeah. uh any other thoughts before we move on we need to pace it up a little anybody else okay all right, next up, we're going to talk about... Well, I, obviously, we all are giving this a thumbs up, in case you were wondering. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about The Flash. And this episode was basically... Barry is convinced the bad guy is who he is, and everybody else is convinced that he's crazy. And then, lo and behold, at the end, Barry's right! Yay! <laughs> so, you know, Go ahead. 
Can I say that I think that uh, the Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, uh, all of these characters on the CW have the worst time keeping their identity secret. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Everybody knows who they are. (laughs) They may as well just run around without masks because everybody knows it. (laughs) Well, the other thing was this episode was pretty good because they did a flashback to the Night of the Collider and then they changed it just a little bit. That's definitely a retcon where they're like, they have Harry talking to the bad guys. Uh, So... That was pretty good, and I thought that they spent a lot of time with the bad guys, which was made them more interesting. Any other thoughts? Um, yeah, real quick. Uh, I I like the series well enough. Um, you know, it, it's definitely up and down a lot. It's not a particularly even series for me. Some episodes are really kind of annoying wow. and boring and yeah. others are kind of tighter and, and more fun so it is really uneven for me I'm a, as much as I love Iris and I do I love her um, I'm just a little sick of them um, shoving it down my throat that she's important she matters she's an integral part of the Scooby gang now like I mean <laughs> several times they were like what's up boss what are we gonna do boss well you're in charge now tell us what to do and I was like Ugh. I was like we get it she's got a role now like yay you know I mean I love her to death and I think what happens for me with the show though now is it's become so insular like I kind of liked that she was a reporter you know I kind of liked that um Joe was like the police department but now it's just a really tightened you know group knit it's not even he's not the flash I mean every time she's like we're the flash I I actually think "Uh, that's ridiculous that's what I mean it's all part and parcel of like we're the Scooby gang now so for me it's like become even less interesting because the world has become smaller and it's now just constantly scenes of them at you know st- what what it, the industries whatever it is um so, star you know, at their star lab that's it so they're you know they're scooby gang headquarters um so that's kind of boring so for me and then they try to stretch it out a little bit with joe and his new fiance blah 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 but that's a boring go nowhere subplot so um i don't love the show and it's slightly getting more annoying but i'm not gonna stop well, watching it's it. the last of the cw shows that we talk about exactly and mm-hmm. it might get wiped from the list so. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> all right um any other thoughts before we move on yeah uh, just a- just to hitchhike off of what you then said, um, my big thing is the the heart to heart talks um, that Barry and Iris always seem to have to have as like time fillers for the episode, and I just can't even deal with it. I've got to fast forward through them because it's just like drivel, yep. and I yep. can't I I can't handle it. And then okay, so you know I kind of like the retcon too, but then at the end, like Kid Flash just shows up again, and I'm just going okay. Is he on vacation? possibly going to do to add to the team i thought they they added another kind of superhero stretchy guy but to add someone who already has flash's abilities i just i just don't know what they're going to have for him to do well i don't know why he left in the first place that's why i was confused probably had a movie to shoot or something that's what i was saying yeah (laughs) all right let's move on next up we're going to talk about the very special episode of this is us and this episode, I cried from oh. about 
the because I was because you knew it was coming, you knew the miscarriage was coming, so you're tense watching the first like 15 minutes, and then once it happens, it's just tears for the last 45 minutes. It was yeah, <laughs> but. It was a fantastic episode. Like, I'm not going to say it was a bad episode at all. And it did feel earned. And I liked how the flashbacks were really reflective of what was happening in the present. Like, everything went together really, really well. But there was more tears than normal this week. Anyone else? It wiped me out. Uh, (laughs) I think about 10 minutes in, I started reaching for the Kleenex. and. I couldn't stop the waterworks. <laughs> I know, right? I tried so hard. I said, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. But oh, it, it tore me up. And I think that just it's just such brilliant writing, um, brilliant acting from the entire cast. I mean, coming off of last week's number one and now this week, the number two. I mean, it's just, oh, man, it's, it's incredible. What I did love um, in particular about um, this episode is... I liked the realness. Uh, well, they're always real, but I really liked the realness of watching how both of them had to try and deal with the miscarriage right. and dealing with it differently. And I loved the visual of the shower curtain taking it down so there's no reminder. And I, I just thought that that was, it was just so many beautiful, real moments in there that I was like, man, you know, it, it, it just really... And, and not only did they deal with the two ways that Kate and Toby dealt with it, but because they had the flashback, you also saw how the mom dealt with her personal, like, so we got like three versions of the same thing and it was fantastic. And I was so glad that she finally talked to her mother. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Greg, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I pretty much was able to hold it together, you know, along with the character. So as Kate was like dealing with it and I was like holding it together. But as soon as her mom walked in the door, it was like, oh, you know, it was just (laughs) I was was done at that point. Um, But yeah, but actually, thank you for giving me that, because I was actually a little confused. I at the end of the episode, I felt like the number one episode was was better than the number two from my point of view, because I actually got to see some of the the struggles that Kevin had in the high school because I was focusing on you know Kate as the character in number two and really with the flashbacks with her all I saw was that she was trying to get into a college and she made a tape and her mom said that her singing was good and so I was looking at it from that angle and I wasn't picking up on that was really the time that her mom was talking about her loss at the same time and so I think I I think I want to go back and rewatch the episode to to get oh, that out. Dude, you want to cry again? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all crazy. I don't know how to sign up. Like, it's like so masochistic. I sit here every year. Oh man, I was crying. I couldn't even hold my. I'm I'm violently ill because it's so. I mean, I can't even. And it's like. Seriously? I no, mean, but the writing the writing is so good. There's no other show that's written this well. All right. I'm just going <laughs> to say this was an amazing episode. Thumbs up. I cannot wait for the for number three. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about The Runaways. And Hulu dropped the first three episodes of this show. And every Tuesday, we're going to get one new episode. 
Um, having I've read the first graphic novel for The Runaways, and my main takeaway from this is that this is the slower version of the story. I'm waiting for basically the title to happen, which is they run away and three episodes have happened and it doesn't look like they're planning on going anywhere yet. Um, but I do like the kids overall and I do like that we're spending almost an equal amount of time with the parents, even though half of them are pretty evil. Uh, I will say that the pilot is much slower than it needed to be. And if you're waiting for supernatural shenanigans to happen, you have to wait till like the last five minutes. And that's a lot of patience. Um, well, you know, I, I enjoyed it that I never read the graphic novel. So I was going into this, um, without any, um, you know, knowledge of it. And I purposely did not read it. Uh, because I just wanted to just, you know, soak in the television show. And it was a slow, it was kind of a slow build, um, especially the pilot. Um, but I liked the relationship between the kids because I thought what was real about it was people do grow apart over time and sometimes over an incident. So I liked watching them have to try and find their way back to each other and become friends again. Um, so I did like uh, that aspect of it, um, but I am ready for them to run. Um, yes, to hit the road and and be on the run, um, just based off the name for me. Um, and I'm hoping to see more of their um, you know abilities manifest. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun um, watching. Um, Oh, I can't think of her name, but I know the actress's name is Allegra Acosta. Um, she plays the youngest one with the strength. Oh, um, right. Uh, oh, are we talking about all three episodes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that that was really, really cool. Just watching her excitement at look at what I can do. And that, you know, um, and she started realizing the strength isn't always there. Um, it comes in moments when she needs it. And I thought that that was, um, really cool and i thought the writing was good because i felt like each kid was kind of distinct um you know um and i thought that that they spoke like teenagers do and i did like that aspect of it all right uh Yusin. um yeah i thought i'll try to be more succinct than the three episodes were. Um, I feel like they could have taken the three episodes, made it into two. Um, we had we had to talk about this earlier, you and I, about how now that um, the seasons are so arbitrary, six episodes, seven, 13, whatever, um, they know what they're doing. They can, they can plot it out. They, they can go and be like, look, we've got eight episodes to, to the actual people and be like, produce us, you know? So... Um, so I feel like I didn't need, I didn't need three episodes then. I don't know how many episodes this is actually going to run since it's a weekly thing, which I thought was interesting because most people are dropping, you know, the whole series at once, including some other stuff on Hulu, I think. Um, so I found it really interesting that they're doing this as more of a legit serial. Um, so I don't know, I don't know why, maybe it was filler, maybe they just thought they needed to slowly introduce us, but I, it almost lost me. Like it, it was if it wasn't for the fact that I am, I am really interested in seeing 
you know, I, I, the, the plot is kind of, you know, not that inventive or creative. It seems like a, a Buffy cast off episode, uh, uh, not a cast off, but you know, a, bu- a Buffy episode. I don't care that it's, it's a little cliche. Um, but I like the idea of, you know, the parents against the kids. I kind of find that kind of interesting, that conflict. Um, but I just really thought it was too slow. And the last thing I'll say is, but I'm still going to watch. Um, it definitely picks up when the shenanigans, the supernatural shenanigans set in. By the end of the third episode, we get uh, one of the characters, you know, with the staff and the snow and all that stuff. So that's definitely going to amp it up for me. I love the one line. Um, I love it where uh, the humor kind of came in and one of the characters called her Hermione. It was like, okay, Hermione. And then she like smiled and I thought, okay, that's a cute moment. So um, if it gets more like that, if I get a little more humor and it's, it's paced better, I'll definitely like the show more. I'm definitely going to keep watching it. The other thing is I thought it was too empty, the space uh, or for my set for the sound score. Yes. I thought sound design was really poor. I mean, if they were going for creepy, if they were going for tension, they missed the mark with me. It just was boring. And I creepy or supernaturally, they really are benefited by a good score. You know, it just kind of amps things up for me. Sometimes they're lazy and sometimes, you know, instead of actual tension, they just make give me music and, and make me, you know, they want me to feel, oh gosh, I should be scared here. But I think that this aired on the wrong side. I thought it was just too quiet. So, I mean, I've got hope for the show and for sure, um, if we're getting at least 13 then I'm fine with it taking this long because sometimes it takes a while to get right. rolling. But yeah, I, yeah, I'm ready for the kids to take off. Like, yes. Yeah, that's my big thing. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the series finale of Mindy Project. And when I say we, I mean Yusun and Aaron. Yes. yes. Aaron, you go first. Because I, I didn't know, I don't know anybody else that's watched the entire uh. Well, I have watched Mindy from the beginning. Um, oh. it, it's been a hilarious journey. And for me, especially this, every episode, I get a minimum of three laugh out loud moments. There's usually more, but at least that many, because I think the writing is so good and so funny. Um, a lot of really quick one liners. But what made me really happy is because throughout the entire series, from beginning to end, Mindy's been looking for her happy ending. And I was glad to see it go full circle. Um, when I saw, um, you know, we got to the to the bicycle in the pool, We, you know what I mean, where it started in the pilot, and we got to see all of those moments coming back together again, all the way up until the finale. I, I just thought it was great. And it ended where I wanted it to. Um, I was hoping it wasn't going to just end with, a, you know, where it's just we, we wonder what happens. Usually I don't want it wrapped up nice and neat. For Mindy, I did. And yeah. so um, I wanted that. I wanted that. And I would have been furious if it didn't work out that way. Um, I loved it. It, it. it actually was very a warm. I laughed out loud, of course. But um, it was just a very warm ending. And it's what I needed. I needed to see them together. Yes. You know, for me, I've been telling people, I, I've been trying to sell the show to people for a long time. No one has bitten. Um, and I feel like as a woman of color, 
to see another uh, woman of color uh, headlining a show, I think is incredibly important. I agree with you. I think the show is funny. Uh, Both one-liners, there's some physical comedy. Um, It's it's like quirky, but cheerful. Um, The thing I, I, I thought... One of two things. The, I mean, I thought that the ending was going to be one of two two things. Either she was going to, you know, realize she doesn't need a man and she's going to be single for the rest of her life and that's okay with her kind of a thing. Or she's going to get her the guy, her guy. Because in essence, the entire series for me is one big ginormous romantic comedy. Yes. You know, uh, starring her. A lot of romantic comedies do star women. Um so for me, I just thought it was a delightful, super stretched out romantic <laughs> comedy. She And the thing I loved about her, loved about her in the show, she was so unapologetically her. She was <laughs> like, I'm fat. I love my snacks. I'm lazy. I don't like the gym. I don't like. And she never once like suddenly improved all of a sudden. And like, I love myself more because I, I, I eat less or I love myself more because I have abs now. Like for me, I just thought... Great. She is absolutely imp- and she's smart. She's a doctor. She's not rescued by men. So I think that the show, unfortunately, uh, once it moved to Hulu, it absolutely stopped being a conversation for anybody. It yeah. certainly, um, you know, I'm glad that it moved. I'm glad it had the chance to run it out to, to like you said, I thought it was beautifully finished. Um, so yeah, I'm a little sad. I'm sad that I don't think it got its due when it was on network, but at least people were talking about it. I'm sad that it lost, you know, any, uh, any sort of buzz when it went to Hulu, but I am happy, however, and I a thousand percent agree with you. I needed her to end up, um, you know, happy with the guy only because for me i felt like this is a romantic comedy you always have the woman get her guy at the end so i'm i'm sad but happy that they did a nice job all right let's wrap that one up uh just as a note i watched mindy project all the way until they went to hulu and then i stopped so i'm one of the people you're talking about all right uh next up we're gonna talk about brooklyn 99 and this was their Thanksgiving episode, or basically, uh, oh, good lord, what are the two main characters, and they have their parents meet? Oh, uh, Jake Peralta and um, and um, Amy. Yeah, Jake and Amy. So they get their crazy parents in the same room and try not to have fisticuffs happen, or people lose thumbs, which apparently they were unsuccessful with. Uh, that Thanksgiving dinner made mine seem totally sane. Uh, they just had crazy. They were like, let's just liquor them up. What could go wrong? Uh, a lot of things. Uh, so that was pretty amusing. That was a really good episode. And, and I'll say this again. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is hitting on all cylinders this season. Everything about the writing is so smart. Uh, what do you guys think? What was your best moment? Uh, well, for me, it was uh, the interrogation. <laughs> I laughed out loud just watching. Um, oh, because he wanted to know who took his pie. pie? Yeah. Yes. And how serious he was. I did. I have to admit, I did kind of figure out that uh, that the captain's pie was taken by his husband. Um, just from, you know, the reaction in the beginning. But I, I just thought it was hilarious. And then um, Hitchcock and Scully saying we need the ingredients like they're going to track this pie down <laughs> like 
like crumbs <laughs> and ingredients. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> that was absolutely hysterical. And listen to Captain Ray say when he told um, Diaz when she was looking at, he said, look at his picture and, and, and say it to him. And then he says, don't say his name. I thought it was just genius <laughs> moments all the way through oh, yeah. um, that episode. That show is fantastic. Uh, Yusun, did you see it? Uh, or? I, I, I did. I just have one counterpoint because I agree with absolutely everything you guys said. Um, I am a little concerned. I love the captain. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, um, how they have developed his character over the seasons. Um, I really thought he was going to be one node and kind of the straight man. And he certainly is the, you know, the straight man, but he's not anymore. He is hilarious and you know and they've done a beautiful job of keeping him within his like character confines and somehow still making him unbelievably funny as opposed to just the wooden you know bounce the ball off the wall kind of character um however i feel like the other players have kind of faded into the background a little bit maybe i'm imagining it but and and i guess they're just kind of doing the circle you know what i mean like you know duck duck goose and like this episode's about you and that episode but i love charles um, I know that, um, oh gosh, I forgot her name. She's all off on pregnancy leave. So obviously she can't be on the show. Um, but Terry, Terry also hasn't had much to do or say, uh, except so for I'm his just... sexual harassment, uh, claims where he kept In talking about, no, I meant on the show where he oh. was, he was standing there and he was like, Terry has a great butt. And the, and the woman standing next to him was named oh, Terry. Yeah. That was funny, yeah. And they were like, see, talking about yourself in the third person is going to get you in trouble. Uh, But no, he's he's had some good stuff. No, no, I'm not saying he hasn't. And like I said, this is probably just a, you know, a duck, duck, goose thing. But I I, I just worry a little is all I'm saying. I just, I don't want it to be a two, two, you know, two column show where it's the captain or Jake. I mean, I love their relationship too, but you know, I'm just waiting, but everything else, I agree with everything that you guys said. So I love the show. All right, let's uh, move on. We're giving that two thumbs up next up. We're going to talk about damnation and you, you're going to have to tell me, are we talking about one episode, two episodes? Just the one. I couldn't get to the second one. (laughs) Well, there's been a third, just so you know, uh, but let's set it up. Damnation takes place in 1933, so it's at the time of Pro. Wait, is that right? Wait, I'm getting all my shows mixed up. No, Pro was in the teens, like 1819. Yeah, know. and I'm getting because I think it's actually 1800s. Because I don't know if anyone has a car. I've been watching too many westerns. I'm so I know, confused. me too. <laughs> um. So, the, but the premise is it's about the workers' union. That's really what it's about. And it's the beginning of the unions. And when the corporation sends someone to break up the unions, they usually kill people who are whoever's the head of the union. And I was like, that's some hardcore stuff right there. Um, so I, I think that this is interesting. The most interesting twist that they had is the union breaker you find out is the older brother of the preacher who's organizing the union and no one else knew that they even knew each other. So seeing their relationship, trying to figure out why they hate each other, what's going on. Like there's a lot of little mysteries that's happening and I find it ironic and hilarious that the only person who can read in the town is the black 
uh, hooker, whore, whatever you want to call her, prostitute. Uh, it's a black woman, and so he's paying, like, he's paying to have her at his disposal, and half the time he's sleeping with her, and half the time he's having her dictate notes for him. So that's was a twist because nobody else in the entire town can read. So I'm going to say it's 18 something or other. Uh, no, I just looked. It's 1930s. You were right the first time. Oh, I was right. Yeah, you were right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting, and they've got these different mobs doing different things, and you don't know what people's motivation is to do whatever, and it's fairly complicated. Um, and sort of relevant to what's going on now. So I liked it. So it's a little bit of a slow burn, but not as compared to some of the other shows. So it's not bad. I'm going to give yeah, that no, a thumbs I, up. I, I will too. And I, I only saw the first episode, uh, you know, the, so, and it's a pilot. So, and it's a Western. Those tend to, you know, slow roll anyway. They got that, you know, um, that, feeling they want to set up I, well I'll, I'll i'll limit myself mostly because you covered everything uh, to um the look of the show i thought the show looks great it reminded me of um an andrew wyeth painting you know it's like um when i when i saw the first like i don't know 10 minutes i was like what does this remind me of and then i was like a days of heaven and i was like yes and that makes sense because I think it was set around the same time period. I'm not 100% sure, maybe a decade plus or minus. Uh, but it's definitely that feel, um, that Midwest, Dust Bowl, kind of Rust Belt kind of feel. Uh, I love the muted colors. I love the energy. I mean, it really is like an Andrew Wyeth painting come to life, which makes sense. Because I think I read somewhere that Malik used uh, you know, that as his inspiration for his palette. So um, I like that. I don't know if it's a direct homage, but it felt like it was because it was so clear. So for me, um, it's visually really interesting to watch. There's there's uh, there's a few, there's not really much that looks like that. Even Godless, which I know we'll be talking about later, um, you know, had a little bit of that feel, but that to me was warmer tones and was a little bit more um, traditionally Western feeling and shot. But this one, I thought, had a real quiet elegance about it, you know, but still being westerny. So I really like looking at it. So but I agree with you. I definitely think it's got a lot of potential. It's very interesting, kind of convoluted, which is nice for a Western because it's not just a shoot 'em up no. um, So there's like a mystery involved and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up on the next two. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Longmire and me and Greg. Uh, both just cranked through 10 episodes of the last season. So, Longmire's over, and I'm kind of sad. I'm going to miss Absaroka County. I'm going to miss Walt and the crew and everybody. Um, And I like that in the last couple of seasons, what they've done is told one big story within some little separate stories. So you you have weird hijinks of people hunting for treasure along with who's the killer of whatever, you know, like Hector lives in the mob and they brought back like every dangling storyline for the last few seasons all came back this season and they answered all the questions in a way that was pretty satisfying. 
The only thing I would say is that the Malachi being the final villain that they defeat was kind of annoying because he's not particularly intimidating. I wish they had solved the Malachi thing earlier and maybe had, oh, what was the baseball bat guy? What was the guy with the crazy family? Greg, help me out. Yeah, I, I'm having trouble recalling like as Cooper well. Cooper or something? Uh, I think he's way more menacing. And if they had saved his storyline for the end, I think that would have been better. Because they had that storyline in the middle of the season, and it was fantastic. And so by ending it with the Malachi, it was a little anticlimactic, but they put a nice bow. At the, like when you got to the last 15 minutes, they wrapped the whole show up in a nice nice bow for me, and I really appreciated it. Uh, what did you think? Oh, <clears throat> it was Chance Gilbert, by the way. Oh, What? Uh, the the villain Chance Gilbert. Oh, Chance! Yeah, they just called him Chance. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, well, I mean, as far as the last season goes, yeah, I totally agree. I, I'm I'm glad that they they wrapped up uh, seemingly every kind of open ended thing. Um, I also agree about yeah, Malachi really wasn't that big of a villain um, in the story storylines, but uh, I like the way um, they they wrap that up and and kind of you know. Um, they, you know, we kind of saw like night horses, uh, kind of transformation and how he's, you know, he came from a, from an area that he wanted to do good for his people, but he was just doing it in the wrong way. And so he kind of did like a full end around and decided, uh, to give the casino, um, to, uh, standing bear, which was, was just kind of cool. Um, yeah, overall, I mean, overall the series is just so gorgeous i mean if you just look at if you just watch the show and you see all the you know just the the, the wide landscape angles, yeah landscapes and everything i mean it makes you want it, it makes me want to live there really um it just seems like a nice peaceful well except for all the murders nice peaceful place to live uh, they do have an uh inordinate amount of murders for such a small town yes uh, and they have the Irish mob coming in for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, all the storylines. And I wanted, one thing we disagreed on was the whole Walt and, uh, Vic storyline. I shipped the heck out of them and I was so frustrated this season that they kept egging us on. And I was at the point where I was screaming at my television. I was like, come on, this is the last season. And then they waited for the last 10 minutes of the last episode to finally get them together. And I know you were hoping that they didn't get together. So did that ruin the experience for you? No, not really. I mean, it was kind of one of those things. They had some really good dialogue about how they're both, you know, um, that they would never be both number one in each other's lives because he will always have the memory of his wife and she will always have the memory of her baby. But I like the way Walt put it where he just says, well, I, I may not be, you know, I guess fully healed, but I feel better than I have in a long time. And uh, he also was saying he didn't want to be alone anymore too. 
And for the longest time, he sort of went with it. Like, he had a couple of girlfriends before who he was just kind of going through the motion because he felt like he should have a girlfriend, but he wasn't healed enough to really have one. And now you feel like he really is. So you believe him. Like, I, I believed him when he said that, okay, I'm ready to do this. So... I, and I love that relationship. I've been cheering for them since season... Ever, it was like... I sort of saw their attraction. And then they surprised us with her being married. I was like, wait, what? And then her husband was like, I can't compete with Walt. And I was like, what? So, uh, all of second season was me trying to get a grip on what was happening in that relationship. And she's been very clear... That she's been in love with Walt since season two. And he's been the one playing hard to get. So that's a little unusual. Uh, And so I I ended up liking that dynamic. Except for in the last season when they were having these really intimate conversations. Whenever they were on a stakeout. And I wanted to scream and yell at the screen. So, But thumbs up for me. I, I think that... Watching, if you haven't watched Longmire, it's a good ride. It's a good story. And it's one of the few series that when you get to the end, it, it's a it's a really good feeling. Like, they wrap everything up really nicely, and it all makes sense. And you don't feel like you were cheated out of your time at all. So, thumbs up for me. Yeah, and on a side note, uh, you know, you see all these shots of uh, Rainier beer in the background. Oh, right. And- and I thought it was just like this uh, fictional beer that they decided that everyone was going to drink in the show. And then I went to Portland like a month ago and like somebody orders one like right next to me. And I'm like, that's real. <laughs> I can't believe that's real. People really drink this. Did you so drink it some? Was, uh, it was a really it was a really I did. So wrapping that one up, two thumbs up. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about just the pilot of Godless which is on uh, Netflix, and it's starring Jeff Daniels and... I don't remember the other people's names. Mary from Downton Abbey. Michelle Dockery. Is that Mary from Downton Abbey? Yes, it is. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, you start off. What did you think, Eason? Me? Yeah. Uh, I've got to... I've got to censor myself a little bit because I'll, I'll admit I saw the whole thing. I had, um, a well, quiet- let me tell you this. It ends with Roy good being taken off by the police at the end. So he's riding off, um, after being arrested. Oh, perfect. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, uh, yeah, no, I still have to be real careful about what I say, but this will say a lot. I saw the whole thing in one get go true to the binging, uh, you know, system. Um, and I won't necessarily say because it was so good or so compelling. It was very watchable. I'm a huge fan of Westerns. Um, my voc- vocabulary in Westerns is, is is deep and wide and old, you know, back from the searchers and, uh, you know, <laughs> although John Wayne was my least favorite, I actually was more of a Gary Cooper, Jimmy Stewart guy. Um, Destry Rides Again, all that stuff. So I've been watching, you know, 70 years or 80 years worth of Westerns. So um, I 
I really liked it. I thought it was really solid. Um, you know, again, I mentioned this earlier, but it's worth noting for people who want to start the show or, 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 or thinking about it. Um, it is slow in that way that Westerns tend to typically kind of draw themselves out. Um, so, and I was totally prepared for that. So I was fine with it. Um, I was really interested to see Michelle Dockery in yet another I'm not just Mary from, you know, Downton Abbey. So um, I was, I did not know she was in it. So that was a pleasant surprise. Um, I thought she was good. I'll talk about her more as we talk about the series going forward. Um, but I thought it, it definitely smelled like a Western. You know, I could smell the, you know, the dust coming through the television. Um, <laughs> and I thought all the, I thought all the actors were solid. It looks beautiful. If you keep going through the series, Obviously, you'll get the vistas and the rolling hills and the desert well, and all that stuff. What about the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll get to that. Um, you I'm know, trying to get us go I, faster. Yeah, sorry. I don't think that there's a lot yet that I can speak about because it is the premiere, and I'm trying. Like I said, I'm having a hard time not saying too much. So I'll just, I'll just let you tell the plot. Um, you know, so that I can stop talking. But um, I will say that I thought the the pilot was was or the first episode was uh, definitely solid enough for people, including me, to kind of keep watching it. Um, and I loved how they were they set up the different characters. They they get, gave me a nice introduction of all the different characters. I'll let you explain this. Well, I mean, they set up Jeff Daniels is definitely the bad guy. Like that's yeah. not even a question. The only yep. thing is I thought they were a little melodramatic with all his, when he goes into the doctor at night to get his arm cut off and he's got his men standing around and they're like all in dark shadow and they're supposed to be creepy. I thought that was over the top. Um, but seeing that, that town that they decimated and then they do the flashback to explain how the town got decimated, that was yeah. all pretty good. Like... That was a, you say it was slow, but there was a lot of gun battle and stuff happening. But what they don't really explain is how the Jeff Daniels and Roy Good's relationship. Obviously, Jeff Daniels' character was supposed to have trained him uh, ever since he was like sixteen, and and now there's like a divide between them, and you don't know why. Um, I guess and that's I, what I meant by slow. The action definitely they they get your interest right away. But and normally I dislike flashbacks, and the series uses a lot. But like you said, it was it like you m mentioned, it was interesting to see the massacre and then to kind of go backwards and kind of see how everything happened. Right. So I guess that's what I meant by like rolling out the plot slowly. Um, we got a lot of action up front. Um, and, and kind of it gets you started like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? And then they rewind with the flashbacks throughout the right. whole series, actually. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, and I was fine with it. Like, I think all the characters are interesting enough. And, uh, I you know, I want to see what happens next. But to be honest, I had just finished watching a season of Longmire. So trying to get into Godless took a little bit. I had to be like, OK, another Western. Give me a minute. Um, so I think in the following week, I can probably watch more of it, but let's wrap that up. Uh, I want to talk about the Punisher and I finished the Punisher cause apparently I have too much time on my hands. Uh, I don't know what, where, what's the, the lowest number of episodes of you guys? What, what have you watched for the Punisher? 
Well, I've only seen the first two so far. Okay, that's two. Uh, Greg? I'm up to episode eight. Okay. Uh, Yusin, did you watch it all? I finished it. Okay, so we're going to talk about the first two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) We try not to spoil our uh, actual participants. So... (laughs) Uh, it would be, I mean, there were 13 episodes, so it's a little unreasonable to be like, you have to finish the whole thing. So I have no clue what happened in the first two episodes, to be honest. So Aaron, why don't you start off and tell us what's the last thing that you saw in the story? Um, well, the last thing that I saw, um, was when the Punisher showed up at, um, Lieberman's lair or microchip or micro as he was calling himself. Right. Um, you sent him on the wild goose chase and then he wound up at his, Oh, he was in the trunk. He hid yeah. in the trunk. Right. 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 Which I mean, uh, I figured that out and uh, I was bummed. I said, I bet he's going to show up at his lair. And sure enough, <laughs> I said he was there. So, you know, I, so it, I, I thought that that was just a tad bit obvious, but I liked the way they did it. Um, I, you know, usually with all the Netflix shows, I usually binge watch them all in like one day or, or over a weekend. I didn't have the drive to uh, do the Punisher, but I did find um, the first two episodes interesting enough that I, I definitely want to see the rest of them. Um, I thought that there was um it was it was it was definitely shoot 'em up no doubt about it um but I did like seeing all of Frank Castle's flaws as we saw them in the first episode because I wondered over the gap of time where has he been what happened with him and so I liked the way that they kind of handled that I thought that that was very interesting yeah. I like uh, that they didn't go, okay, we're going to give you his origin story. They're like, right. you already know his origin story. Yeah. We're going to pick up from there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, the, without trying to give any spoilers, I think that his relationship with Micro is fantastic. Like, they are the heart of the rest of the series, is their relationship and how they get along and how they don't get along, you know, um, their personalities and how they're used to handling things are completely night and day yet. They have pretty much the same problem, which is, uh, the same incident got them and, you know, killed or ghosted as you might say. And then their family's in danger. One of them, their family got killed and one of them, he managed to protect his family. So part of that creates conflict. Uh, but I think the show does a really good job. Like the first couple episodes I think are a little slow cause you're building up and you're not sure who the enemy is. You're not sure what the story is, but right where you are now, is when the story's about to kick in, when you're they're going to identify who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, and they're going to have to figure out a way to solve this problem together. And then you have the Homeland Security agent, Madani, and she's coming at it from a completely different angle because somebody she cared about got killed in the same sort of incident. So... 
seeing it from those different perspectives, I think it does a good job because it's not just the Punisher story. They do a really great job with splitting up the point of view a little. So it's Madani's point of view, it's Micro's point of view, and it's the Punisher's point of view. So for me, I think that that makes the show really intriguing. And I think you should, you know, give it a shot and watch more. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Um, I got to tell you, I'm, I, it, it is it is difficult getting through. Um, it is um, it, it, definitely the pacing of the show is that they know they're on Netflix. Um, they, it, it's almost like they don't have to deal with like a weekly ratings thing. Um, because it's just, for me, it, it seems like the storyline is, is drawn out. Like, like even in the first two episodes, like how many times do we have to deal with him flashing back to his wife? Uh, five okay. times too many. Like, it's just, okay, you know, I'm ready. I'm okay. You got me into the story. Oh, oh, flashback again. Let me just wait. Let me wait until you get done with this before I can see more of the story. Right. Um, you know, I'm not going to disagree. I think the worst thing that they did was have so many flashbacks with his wife. It was too much. I agree with you. All right. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> now having said that, you know, um, it there is enough of a story there. There is enough of bad guys, good guys, uh, what have you to uh, actually keep me interested. So I can't say that, you know, it's not like where I watched the Iron Fist and I'm like, I'm done. I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah. Uh, um, and so I definitely think I'm going to finish up the series, but it's just, it, it takes some effort, um, uh, uh, to get through it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you you finished it. So was it painful? Um, not at all. Uh, I, I, what I found really interesting is, um, I agree with what, uh, probably everything that, Everybody said the too many wife flashbacks, a slow rolling, um, predictable, you know, him, him ending up at Micro's lair, all of that. So, um, but what I will say is a little bit opposite of what Greg said is it was not a slog at all. It was really easy for me to go by the third episode. Uh, you know, it was really easy for me to be like, okay, I'm in it. Let's go. You know, show me something else. Show me something else. Um, so I thought that it it definitely, like you said, picks up after three. Um, you kind of know who all the players are, or you think you know who all the players are, right. uh, and what stories are about. Uh, I found it really interesting, uh, just to take off on your point, that it isn't just about Punisher. So I was a little surprised. I mean, I've seen the movies. I, I think I read a, a little bit of the graphic novels years ago, so I'm relatively familiar with the character. Um, there are no, uh, you know, uh, super power-y kind of things. I mean, I knew going in that it wasn't going to be that kind of a Marvel show. Um, but I was really surprised that there's all this intrigue and stuff that it's, it's, it seemed very non superhero Marvel-y comics. It just seemed like a really good, there was a little kind of, um, what was I thinking when I saw it? My brain is mush. Cause I, I've, I've like crammed so many things in, uh, it was a little Jason Bourne-ish, you know what I mean? There was a lot of hand to hand, you know, fighting and this and that and, and whatever. And it was all very earthy. That's not a complaint. It just took me a minute to kind of get used to. Uh, and then uh, this, it's kind of essentially a buddy movie. It, it's like a buddy cop. I mean, buddy, one's a, not a cop, but, you know, whatever. Um, it's just the odd couple sort of deal. Yeah, right? it's 
one's a brain, one's a brawn, you know, odd couple kind of thing. That's a bit of a trope. The But the last thing I will say is um, it, it really is compelling. It's it's good. It's Fun isn't the right word. It's gritty. Um, and I will say this, though. It's a little predictable. So it's not great. Um, and I personally saw, and I won't say anything, I don't want to spoil anything, but I saw two big reveals really early on in the series, like really early on. They kind of give you red herrings. Uh, they kind of give you some real subtle notes. Um, but so I was a little disappointed midway, but what I found was for me was not a procedural so much as this is what, how I'll finish. Uh, for those of people who are thinking of either starting and or finishing, um, what I liked was even though you kind of a lot of stuff was revealed mid season, uh, it was like it's it's almost like, you know, when the, those the, there's a trend of those shows where they like show you the murderer and then the entire next 10 episodes are about how the murder happened and how to the blah, 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 you know, instead of waiting to find out who the murderer was. So they make a few big reveals in the middle of the series. And then it was still really interesting to fi- find to watch. How are they going to like resolve this? How are they going to? is this person going to come to justice and how and all that stuff. So I thought that that was, it was definitely made that totally watchable. So I enjoyed the series, but you know, I can't even remember the first two or three episodes, <laughs> but it was good. Yeah, I agree. I'll chime in more next week. You know, well, I'll, I'll try to rewatch three or four or five or whatever, just so I can have some talking points, but overall I enjoyed the series. All right. Thumbs up for me as well. And if you guys have any uh, questions or comments, you can send them to tvcampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can listen to us on getthepointradio.com, Krypton Radio, and Wheatonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.